Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of Eloquent.net in beautiful, wait for it, Universal City, Texas, Republic thereof, now more than ever. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you? Leave the audience wanting more in the name of the episode today, Under the Lights Again. This goes back quite a ways, but back in 2008, just when you thought my award-winning keynote performance, Generations, couldn't get any better, I added two live musicians to my keynote performance, Scott McKenna, singer-songwriter, and the erstwhile multi-uber-talented master violinist, Nike Van Wyck. And he's down here in Texas this week. He's been in Mexico performing, and we're starting to feel that return to some normalcy. And so I thought it'd be a good time to get him on the show, because if you've been at any of our uh, conference events back in the day, you've seen him. Uh, He is performing all the time, and I thought about him a lot during the pandemic. And when we had young Grace Heinrichs on the show, I said to her, there is a gaping hole in American culture when there's no community theater, when there's no live music going on in restaurants and in towns and in cities all across this great country. And so I hope I hope we're getting back to that. And we're also discussing some very exciting things as we look to the future, whether it's going to be latter part of this year or next year, we are going to get back together. The term social distancing is a contradiction. We are not built to be that way. Like I said, in every town, in every village, in every city, at night, you can go into a restaurant or a bar and you will see somebody playing live music. And when that wasn't happening, I remember about a year ago this time, driving through New Braunfels, and the only word I can think of is heartbroken. It was heartbreaking to see our vibrant downtown in New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof, to be so quiet and so desolate. And so I'm very glad things are getting back to normal. One of the things we're talking about, it's not super secret, but it is a, a live event at a very unique place. We're going to talk about it with Nick here in a minute at Natural Bridge Cavern. So I want to send a quick shout out to Terry Adams. She's the general manager out at Natural Bridge Caverns, and uh, she took us on a very cool tour yesterday. And so we're going to talk about that and uh, mostly just about the excitement I feel of seeing these live performances coming back. And of course, that's what we talk about on this show all the time is you put on a live performance each and every day at your banking brand. And when you do, you have two options. You will either leave your customers wanting more of you or less of you. You either deepen that relationship and move that needle towards loyalty or it moves the other way towards apathy. Of course, Americans and everyone in the world are waking up to the sad news that Queen Elizabeth's husband of 73 years, Prince Philip, passed away at the ripe old age of 99. And so when I heard the news today and thought about Queen Elizabeth, my first thought was rich and single. No, not really. <laughs> you might find it strange that a, a, a Bible-thumping, red-state-living, gun-owning Texan is an absolute monarchist. I uh, collected stamps as a young boy, and a lot of those stamps had the young picture of Elizabeth Regina on it, and I always had a little crush on the young queen. And I do feel very, very sorry for her today. To lose a spouse of 73 years is very, very significant. So I do mean it sincerely when I say uh, from Texas that, that proud prayer and anthem, God 
save the queen. And so when we get back, we're going to be talking to Nick, and we're going to do it all right after this. For 11 years, it's conference-quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, without the $7 light beer at the airport, and without the expense report. This is the Power Performance Podcast. All right. It is rare that we get to conduct an interview with our guest live and in person, but here he is. His name is Nike Van YK. Nike, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, Brandon. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. It has been a while. Okay, you, uh, you've got such a tough life. You, um, you spent the last three weeks down in Mexico performing last with your weeks. good buddy. Two yeah, weeks. Two weeks. I was in uh, Florida the week before that. Yep. So you've, yeah, you've really had a tough, a tough uh, run of things. Sure. You're getting back out there. The live performances are coming back. You've never been one to take that for granted. But never. tell us, what has been the reaction of the crowds? Yeah, it's it's fantastic to be slowly getting in front of people again. There's still uh, a lot of restrictions on where people are allowed to be. Um, you know, they're still trying to keep people distanced and all the fun things that nobody wants to deal with. So, but um, it's wonderful. You, you hear from everybody how much they've li- they've missed being in a live performance kind of uh, scene or, or you know perspective where they can be there in person. Um, you know, it's been it's been rough trying to do things online over the past year here, especially during the colder months. Um, last summer, it was nice. We were able to get back into a couple areas uh, where, again, people had to be spaced out and everybody had to wear their masks, which, you know, is tough, especially as a performer, because you want the ability to connect with people. And if everybody's sitting there with masks on, it's just like anywhere else. Uh, my, my girlfriend, unfortunately, is partially deaf, and she reads lips, so she has a hard time hearing certain frequencies and low volumes and not being able to see people's uh, facial expressions and, and their mouth moving when they speak, it's difficult. And, and it's the same thing for on stage. You just don't have that natural connection with people. But it's still, on the flip side, such a pleasure to have actually be back out in front of people again. You can have the best headphones. You can have the best microphone. You can have the best Zoom background. You can have the best camera. There's simply no replicating a live musical performance. No, not at all. Not at all. There's There's... There's something special about it, and again, like you know, the the live virtual performances, uh, it's it's awkward for both the listener and for for the performer. I mean, you get done with the performance, and you're used to having again that connection with people and having a little bit of banter back and forth with the audience. And when you get done with a, a virtual performance, you know, playing to a camera and a computer or a laptop, or even if you have a better setup, you're still getting to an end of performance. And that's it. And it's just straight silence. It's quiet. It's it's difficult. Um, I play with a gentleman back in Pennsylvania named Craig Thatcher, and we did a, a Christmas concert that we were looking forward to. It was two years in the making. Uh, we've done plenty of performances at the Allentown Symphony Hall right in Pennsylvania there. Um, but it's tough to get in there around the holidays time. So we scheduled two years in advance. They wanted us to come in, and we were expected to have a sold-out audience. Um, and the, the theater is beautiful. And then, of course, COVID hit. And last winter, we did our Christmas concert just a couple days before Christmas, and it was the yeah, it, was, it was the two. Thank you. It was the <laughs> two of us, and we were playing to three cameramen and a sound guy, basically, in this gorgeous theater. And it was again, it was a it was a double-edged sword because it was just beautiful and nice to be in that facility and performing. But for a performance that we were looking so forward mm-hmm. to doing for uh, in front of a live audience, you know, two years before when there was no even um, whisper of COVID-19 at at all, yeah, and then to go from that expectation to 
performing to no one in a live atmosphere. But yeah, and then you get done with the the performance. Like I said, you you're, you're, you there's no you know crowd no interaction yeah, exactly exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know uh, you've played all over the world, mm-hmm. and this thing we're talking about uh, uh, doing is a live event. In a very unique place, underground, literally yep. underground, at Natural Bridge Caverns. They're working on a place where they're going to have this. Uh, we were down there yesterday, uh, the, under the earth, in these uh, amazing stalactites and stalagmites everywhere. Um, pretty, pretty cool. And so I think one of the things you and I agree on is when COVID-19 is finally over, and it is going to end. I know it is surprising me. There are still some people out there who seem to be enjoying all of this, which I've never understood. Uh, as we've said on this show many times, COVID-19 has compressed 10 years of inevitable changes into one. And so I can't imagine coming back and doing live events and corporate events with the same old, again, rubber chicken dinner, death by PowerPoint type of thing. And I think you share my enthusiasm for reimagining these corporate events to something like that, performing in this beautiful, natural uh, auditorium underground with the beautiful acoustics and the beautiful scenery, because I don't think anybody wants to go back to the way things used to be. No, not at all. And uh, you and I were speaking about this yesterday, but a lot of musician friends, myself, uh, agree uh, that it's it, it's probably going to be a little bit of a turnover by the time people start to get used to returning to somewhat of nor- uh, normalcy. But uh, a lot of us believe that it's going to almost be like the Roaring Twenties all over again. Everybody's going to want to so. go out. Yeah, everybody's going to want to go out, be social. Um, you know, people have moved out of the cities. The people are going to want to meet their neighbors. They're going to want to go out and enjoy live culture, live music, you know, and, and art again. So I think I think we're going to see the return of that quickly. And I think it's it's trying to stay ahead of the curve as always, you know, trying to trying to kind of uh, adapt to what the new normal is going to be, but also plan for the return of large events and yeah. hopefully soon. One of the things we did yesterday is we stopped by the uh, Duckworth Violin Shop in my hometown of New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof, and we walked in and the owner, Brian Duckworth, was standing there playing a violin and he would go on to tell us that it was about 100 years old, that violin, yep. and I was struck by something as I was standing there in this building that was built in 1908 with a guy playing a 100-year-old violin. There were three generations represented in that shop yesterday and it occurred to me the conversation we had could have been 100 years ago, 50 years ago, or as it was yesterday. There is simply a timelessness to music and an appreciation for musical performance that transcends every generation for all time, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the beautiful thing, and, and we've spoken about this plenty of times, is people enjoyed the acoustic guitar and the acoustic violin or the piano you know, hundreds of years ago, and and the same notes just as any other language is it was, was written the same way. It's just different styles have come from it. But I mean, when it comes down to, and I, I I teach this to my students a lot, it's like you could play the new electronic music, you could you could be a writer and a performer of that, but it still all comes down to the basics. You have to learn that initial craft, and that conversation is going to be the same across the board across generations. Yeah, really true. Um, final question: uh, You're b- heading back to Pennsylvania. On Saturday, you've got a small performance that you're going to do. We talk on this show about if your if your if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? You are you are literally a one man band. Your your personal brand is you. Right. It's you and your violin. And one thing that always struck me when we were out on the road traveling together and performing together, your humility, your kindness, sure. you are patient with everybody. Uh, you know, even sometimes. 
you know, just gig musicians can be a little condescending at times because they're the ones on the stage, not in the crowd. I never see, I never saw you betray any of those characteristics. And so yesterday when I asked you after that trip to Duckworth Violin, that, you know, it's the same violin and yet there are certain musicians that become household names and other people that maybe you don't hear about as much. You made the point of saying it really is all about the personality that is blended into the obvious musical talent. So tell us about why that's so important. Yes, and actually even our buddy Brian, who we, who we met yesterday at the violin shop, who owns the violin shop, had kind of kicked off that conversation saying it was, it's not always about the talent you have. You could be the, the absolute best performer, the best violinist for that matter in the world, but if you don't have the ability to connect with people and to have that you know, uh, ability to um, kind of have a great personality and speak to people, especially in the places that you need to speak to them, meet them at their level, uh, they're going to dismiss you as rude or, or upset. And, and honestly, like, and I've seen so many performers, both that I've played with and performers who I've seen, who I've been in a position where I've been on stage with somebody and the response is, oh man, they're just not into it today. I don't want to give them my all. And it's like, no, you're not there to be entertained by them and to feel their energy. Like too many people have like that. Like, and we spoke about it just a couple of minutes ago where I said like that connection with the live audience and that, that atmosphere you get. Yes, you can build on that, but you also have to create that. So if you come into a performance and you're waiting for the audience to give you that energy, it's never going to get off the ground. So what you need to do is regardless of whether you think the audience is feeling or not, you have to give your 110% every single time. Otherwise, they're not going to react. So too many people are, are in that position of, the audience isn't feeling it, so I'm not going to give it my best. And that's the absolute yeah. wrong attitude. So Absolutely true. About a quarter mile from where we're sitting is the old AT&T Outdoor Auditorium where I went and saw uh, Aerosmith one year. Yeah. And you could just tell they were just there to collect that paycheck and punch that ticket on the tour. There was no energy. The person I was with, that was their favorite band, and even she was disappointed. She was like, wow, they just didn't really seem into it. And it was obvious from the beginning they had a set list they played through it yeah and they went home and that's a shame because i mean that's that's a band that that's you know, a big time band yep and and you know and I've, I've been on tours and long tours and there's there's points in the tour where everybody's just kind of burned out or something happened you know whether it be a personal thing at home for one of the band members or it could have been something that happened you know, broken down tour bus or something happened on the way. Or the personality conflicts in any... Yep, absolutely, yeah. not to even mention, yeah. yeah. But, to, but at the same point, at the end of the day, you have to know, especially as a professional, how to come out on stage and, you Sometimes know... you have to fake it. Yep, you got to either fake it or you take the energy, whatever that is on stage, and you put that into your fingers, onto the, the violin or the guitar or into your voice, and you just find a way to cultivate whatever atmosphere you're in and turn it around to put on a great mm -hmm. performance. And it's not necessarily always fake because, you know, you, you do have to kind of sometimes fake your way through. Like if there's trouble at home or something like that, you have to be able to still perform because I hate to call it a job, but at that point it is a job. You're there to entertain people. People have paid a price to see you perform and see you act at your premium, not to see you on the floor crying. So you need to be able to, to you know, step up and perform, and that could be the same whether it's music, it could be business. It's, it's like you need to find that way to keep 
you know, the personal effects at home. Not to say be a robot, because people, people still, like, if you're having a bad day, you can totally own that and say, hey, I, you know, this is what I'm going through today, but I'm still going to be here to give you everything I got. And I think people see that humility and that, that, that human side more than they see you just going, I have a sucky day, so yeah, I'm going to be exactly. a sucky person. Yeah. And, of course, that's something that banking brands deal with. You, know, you, you don't market yourself as the unfriendly bank or the least right. friendly <laughs> bank in town, and yet the performers that work at these banking brands can have all the same things. Cars break down. You get in arguments with your spouses. Your kids tell you they need a protractor five minutes before you're supposed to be yeah. at work. And so that's exactly what we mean when we say if your brand were a band, you've got to rise above that. When the curtain goes up and the lights go on, you've got to be ready to perform because you're, you're there performing voluntarily. Nobody makes you go out on stage and perform right. every night. And so that is some great, great stuff. Before we let you go here, uh, we're always talking about music. We're always talking about how we're going to get back into the live uh, corporate events. And so tell us a little about this song we're going to hear as we get out of here. When I was in high school... My dad purchased a, a bench press and some weights yeah. from a friend, and I thought, man, if I start lifting weights, I'm going to turn into, you know, Rocky. And one of the songs my brother and I played on a continuous loop while we were working out for the five minutes that we ended up working out with that thing um, was I the Tiger. Absolutely. And so we're going to hear that cover next. Tell us about the gentleman that you're working with on this. Yeah, so this is actually a, a good friend of mine who, and this is one of the positives that have come out of this, this season, is uh, him and I had a chance to meet a little about, about a year and a half ago now, two Februarys ago, um, while I was recording with one of the bands that I was touring with in 2019, um, and uh, I was working with a band called The Spill Canvas, and he came into the studio that we were working at in East Stroudsburg, or Stroudsburg, I should say, uh, Pennsylvania, a studio called Sound of Mind Recording Studios, and uh, he actually ended up starting to help vocal coach the lead singer of this band that I was working with, um, and as a phenomenal singer, we got to talking, and he goes, hey, man, do you know uh, any Dave Matthews? Because he watched me you know, uh, lay down some strings on some of the songs, and and he's like, do you know Dave Matthews? And I was like, do I know Dave Matthews? I used to play with my buddy Scott McKenna, who Jason and I used to do a lot of work with. And, uh, and I was like, I, I, you know, I knew pretty much every Dave Matthews song ever written you know, uh, from playing with Scott. And he's like, you know Ants Marching? I was like, of course I know Ants Marching. So we, we ended up jamming on this tune and having uh, a great time doing it. And we, we exchanged numbers. And then after the tour, he actually joined us in Philadelphia to open up for our performance in Philly at uh, World Cafe Live. And um, when I got back, we kept in contact, and we, were, we got together a couple times. But then when everything kind of came to a shutdown, um, we were able to cultivate more of a relationship and start you know, kind of working out some things, both by doing some online performances. And then when summertime came around, he was one of the, the gentlemen who I had an opportunity to perform with in select places, you know, outside and, and doing the whole you know, fun social yeah. distancing, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, so this, this recording you're going to hear is actually from one of our performances uh, the together and actually uh, last fact of, about my buddy here Christian Porter uh, he was on The Voice back in 2013 13, that's right yep. 
and made it a significant way, and just a great guy. And if you're not of a certain age, you will not remember what a huge hit this song was. I, the Tiger, mm -hmm. uh, the band's name just escaped me. Uh, it was in the Rocky movie, but uh, if, you're, if you're from the 80s, you'll, you'll remember this. And uh, I think they had one other hit. We used to make jokes about bands like that back in the day, that they could put their greatest hits on a 45. <laughs> of course, uh, we'll give the millennials a chance to look up what a 45 is. It is not actually a handgun, but um, I, the Tiger, I want to say it was Survivor. Survivor. Yeah, we just found it on the phone. It was Survivor. It was Survivor. Yeah. Oh, wow, that was loud. <laughs> Sorry about that. And so we're going to get out of here with that. Um, but what I want you to listen to, you know, again, the name of the episode, Under the Lights Again, you will not hear this kind of reaction on an online event. The reaction from the crowd is part of what I love about this performance. Uh, it's really, really well done. It really was one of my favorite songs back in 1983 when it was being played everywhere from Rocky. I think it was Rocky 3 or Rocky 4. It was no, one of them. Original Rocky. No, that was, that was, you know, that this was, no, no. Original Rocky was 76 and then the next one was 78, I believe. Okay. This is, I believe, was Rocky 3 when he had to fight the Russian, you know, the Cold War. Stuff. So anyway, and so and it's a great it's a great lesson. You know, we're all going to have to be tough now as we come out of this, and you know we're going to have to be confident uh, in what we're doing. And so that's why you and I are thinking about once again reimagining that moment where these these banking brands spend a lot of money sending their people to these corporate and conference events, and we were always very very keen on making sure that they got a great return on that investment. Yeah. And we're looking forward to doing it again. I always I always live in the world of make sure that they get more than what they you know you un, under uh, under promise over deliver over deliver you know so give give them more than what they're paying for because that uh, that again stands up for who you are you know it's a personal touch. All right, so enjoy this. This is uh, from a live performance recorded earlier. This year or last year? This it was during it was yeah. during this co so everybody it's a it's a smaller crowd everybody was still kind of spaced but yes. it was but you can tell different. they're into it. Yeah. We're gonna get out of here with that. This is Christian Porter singing and playing the guitar and Nike Van Wyke on the violin and please listen to the whole thing because the reaction from the crowd is genuine and it is not a reaction you will ever get on Zoom or any other kind of online thing. Let's get back under those lights again, and until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care.